welcome to the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. My name is Fran Dargaville and I'm a functional nutritionist with a passion for gut health and real food. I'm here to share my take on nutrition and health, answer your questions and chat with leading health and wellness experts and all-round inspiring humans. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. Hello there, friends. I feel like I say this every week, but I have a really awesome episode for you today. I spoke with Amy Raup, who is a celebrity acupuncturist, fertility expert, former research scientist, and an author of four books that have helped thousands of women heal from autoimmunity and improve their fertility. We chat about fertility, how you can actually change your fertility through epigenetics, egg quality and why it's important, and IVF and egg freezing. Now, I know we've been speaking a lot about fertility on the podcast, and that is because regardless of whether you're planning on getting pregnant anytime soon or that's well behind you, your fertility really is a key marker of health. And that's why we've been diving deep into fertility in various episodes of the podcast, because I think it's just a really important indicator of health and something that is really worth focusing on and improving, regardless of whether you have any intention to conceive anytime soon. Before we get into the episode, I want to let you know super quick that the prices for my one-to-one high vibe and gut healthy programs are increasing in the new year. If you want to lock in the current pricing and get started in February next year, which is actually not that far away, so you know you're setting yourself up for success and health in 2022, head to frandargaville.com forward slash high vibe to find out all the details and enroll. Okay. Let's get into the episode. Hey, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Fran. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to be diving into this whole conversation with you all about fertility and everything around that. So we are going to be chatting about fertility in different areas of that. But first, could you explain to us what epigenetics is? Sure. Epigenetics is uh, a science that has been around for over a decade at this point, an area of science that that has has basically shown us that our genes are not set in stone the way we once thought, that instead we're actually born, if you will, with these predispositions. So we can kind of go one way or another way with our health, depending on how we live our life. So depending on like how much we sleep, our stress levels, our diet, uh, toxins we're exposed to can actually turn genes on or genes off and hence impact our health. Whereas we used to think that our genetics were set in stone and it was predetermined and it didn't matter what our lifestyle was or what the external environment, you know, how it impacted us. But now we, we know otherwise. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And I really, really wanted to start here because I think it's really important for us to realize that we actually do have a huge impact on our health and also specifically, you know, our, our fertility and hormonal health and, and all of that, because I feel like in today's environment, we're so often led to believe that all of this is very much out of our control and with, you know, IVF and egg freezing and, and all of this, it sort of removes what we do on a day-to-day basis from this whole process. 
Yeah. And even the aging conversation, right? There's so much fear um, put on women that, um, especially over the age of 35, that they basically fall off this fertility cliff and your odds of getting pregnant naturally are very, very slim. And that's actually not what the data shows us. Um, The percentages fall only a small amount um, as women get older, you know, say, say the average 33 year old gets pregnant, you know, within one year of trying um, about 90% of them will. And then when between the ages of 35 and 40, you know, it goes to the in the 80 percentages and then, you know, 86 or so percent. Um, And then there's limited data, but there's data for women 40 and early 40s. And it goes to about 70%, 75%, depending on, you know, how many women you're looking at. And mind you, these are women that are making, you know, that are, we're able to record the data. So I think there's, there's a lot of women that we're not um, getting the information on, but a, it's we're given the wrong information that our fertility significantly declines over the age of 35. And then B, we're also misled in not, you know, in thinking that it's set in stone when it's really not. We're not running out of eggs. We actually still have about a thousand or more eggs left inside of us, even when we're in menopause. So we actually never run out of eggs. And our fertility doesn't have to fall off of a cliff if we actually, you know, take back the power, like you said, and, and understand that we, there's a lot we can do to impact our fertility, even as we age. Yeah, absolutely. That is so, so fascinating. And I know that's probably, you know, very comforting for a lot of people. It definitely is for me. I think that's a really, really important conversation. And, you know, I, I'm not too sure about this data, but with a lot of things, it's based on the average population who probably don't take particularly good care of themselves. Well, so, you know, perhaps it's also if we had based this data, on most yeah. of the fertility data is based mm. on women that wind up in fertility clinics. So it's already skewed, right? Because mm. these are women that are having challenges to begin with. And, and, uh, you know, that's a population I work with and I, I don't mean it in a judgmental way, but I just mean that we're not, we're not capturing the percentages of women that don't wind up because one in eight, right? So one in eight, so there's seven, you know, of that one in eight that are actually getting pregnant on their own naturally at home and well into their forties. And so the, the data is also significantly skewed. So there's just no way we could collect that, that level of data. But to really keep that in mind that we're looking at a subset of a population and then drawing guesstimations from that. Yeah, absolutely. So how does epigenetics actually impact your ability to conceive? Well, again, how you live your life, right, determines. So I would almost look at it, you know, just talk very generally um, and not be, you know, too scientific. It's when when our genetics manifest disease or a disease state there's typically an inflammatory process that's going on in the body and so it's it's not a super fertile environment and that's how i would look at it and so so knowing that that how we live our life kind of ages us before our time or allows us to kind of 
not skate aging, we're all going to age, but delay it or have a more positive experience physiologically as we age. There's a lot of conversation now about genetic age versus chronological age. And there's tests out there now and you can, and it's all tested based on blood biomarkers and it's mainly inflammatory markers that show, oh, wow, like how you live your life. You're actually, you know, I did one of the tests recently. I'm actually 11 and a half years younger genetically than I am chronologically. And it's all based on inflammatory, you know, aspects in my body. That's not to say, you know, I don't have certain genetics and and maybe things um, were in my favor in comparison to other people, but, uh, you know, I, I live a lifestyle and I practice what I preach, if you will. And so when it comes to fertility, especially, you know, the age conversation comes up for, from what I see, you know, and I work with at this point, thousands of women all over the world. It doesn't matter what your age is, whether you're 33 or 43 or 35 or 45, you are, if you're not getting pregnant, you are told it is your age. And that is what you were told. And it's like, it's kind of a blanket statement. And especially if they can't find anything wrong with you, which I think, you know, more than at least 50% of fertility challenges are unexplained infertility. So most women have no diagnosis. They have no idea why they're not getting pregnant. And so what tends to happen is it's just, oh, it's probably your egg quality. Your eggs are bad. And and that can be told to a woman who's 33, like I said, or a woman who's 43. Uh, and, And that, you know, so when it comes to then knowing more about epigenetics and that we can actually impact aging, what, but, and mind you, if you keep in mind, what, what is aging? Aging is basically just cellular breakdown. Things just get less and less efficient in the body and more and more, um, you know, I almost like oxidized is the word, but I, I talk about it in my very first book, uh, chill out and get healthy. It's kind of like rusting, you know, that outside of something that starts to rust over time. And are you doing something to protect the material? So it doesn't rust too quickly, you know, or are you just kind of letting it, you know, do its thing and, and you're not really paying attention and it'll, it'll rust, you know, at a faster rate. And so thinking about it from that perspective, there's a lot we can do to optimize our aging process, the inflammation in our body and, and enhance our fertility, even as we get older. Yeah, absolutely. So can we chat about egg quality now? Why Mm -hmm. is egg quality so important? I know it may be obvious to some people. Um, And what are the main factors that impact egg quality? So egg quality is so important because it is a big determining factor in the health of the child, you know, but obviously egg quality and sperm coming together are also equally important. Sperm can play a major role in fertility challenges and is a very overlooked, uh, you know, part of the process. So, but the quality of the eggs is basically determining whether or not it is a healthy egg that meaning it's chrome has all the chromosomes it's needs it needs and in all the right places and will generate a healthy child you know, nature is very smart and it typically will not select something that is not going to survive. And so fertilization is less likely if the egg quality is poor. And we also see hormones aren't the same. Uh, You know, maybe you won't get the strongest surge during your ovulation, or maybe your progesterone is lower in your luteal phase. And that can all be a reflection of 
the follicle as it's developing, which has the egg inside of it. And so it's all a reflection, if you will, of this egg quality. So the goal is to, you know, not focus on how many eggs we have left, but rather the quality of those eggs. And another thing that I really like to point out is that anything you do to enhance egg quality, meaning the quality of the cells in the eggs inside your ovaries, will actually enhance all of the cells anywhere in your body. And that's really important to know because as you know, another thing I always say is fertility is an extension of health, right? And so it's not like there's just one supplement you can take or one acupuncture point or one herb or one food that's like just for egg quality, right? Anything that enhances quality of the cells in the eggs in your ovaries is going to enhance, you know, quality of, of all cells in your body, which is a great thing. That's actually what you want. And the, the second part of your question, what, what really impacts egg quality, you know, most of the, I think the Western side, the very conservative Western side of medicine would say age is what impacts egg quality. But what we see in the literature and, you know, as more and more research is coming out and, and I see it clinically, you know, I have many, many years of clinical experience under my belt is it is, it goes back to this kind of aging process and this level of inflammation in the body. That is really what impacts egg quality because we can see it too with women undergoing IVF where they weren't getting good quality. So they can test embryos. We can't really test egg quality separately. You can't, you have no idea of egg quality, to be honest, unless you go in and take those eggs out, you know, during an IVF process. But then basically another thing that really impacts, if you will, embryo quality is sperm. And so what we're really testing is embryo quality, but a good portion of that embryo quality comes from the eggs. So there's a lot of assumptions made, if you will, of, um, is it all the egg that's impacting the embryo quality? But what we see is that if we do reduce and we can look at inflammatory markers like homocysteine or C-reactive protein, um, if we reduce inflammation in the body, the embryos become healthier, even as the woman gets older. I've seen it in women who, you know, I had one woman that I'm thinking of started working with me at 38 and she wasn't making any healthy embryos. And at the age of 43, we actually started making healthy embryos. She didn't work with me consistently for those five years. She kind of hopped around, but when she came to me, um, maybe in her early forties, you know, I really buckled down on, on the whole process and we started making healthy embryos. And that goes against everything that we're told that as we get older, we we're going to get worse and worse. And that's not what we actually see clinically. Yeah, that is, that's really, really important. Cause I think, you know, even with the egg freezing and all of that, you know, people often go and, um, you know, have a, a consultation and be told, okay, this is it. The oh, clock God, is ticking. You need to go and freeze your eggs ASAP. And, you know, everything is doomed if you don't do that essentially. But, you know, I, I'm really just loving to hear what you're saying that you do have so much power with this epigenetics and the things that we do on a daily basis. And I do think too, like talking of the egg freezing topic, um, it's, it's really important to, do some prep work before you go and freeze your eggs, even if you're 25. So this is the thing, the younger we are, the less amount of time we or the cells in our body have had to be impacted by our environment, right? So 
and we all know this as we get older at 25, you can get away with a lot more than you can at 35. And then at 35, you can get away with a lot more than you can at 45, right? Like we feel it more, you know, if you want to use alcohol as an example or lack of sleep, you know, we could get away with it a lot easier when we were in our mid twenties. And so typically speaking, the environment and our lifestyle hasn't had significantly negative impacts on the cells in our body at this point. Like it's an, it's a cumulative effect. So you could go in and freeze eggs at 25, probably with minimal um, prep work. But a lot of women are actually not freezing until they're early to mid thirties, some even late thirties. And, and I see that, you know, clinically or even work with women uh, virtually on this. And I'll still do the same prep work I'm doing with a woman who's in a couple who's preparing for IVF or preparing to try naturally. It's It still should be a three-month protocol where you're really working on reducing inflammation, improving uh, your immune system, you know, healing the gut and, and really giving your body all the nourishment it needs, like a nutrient-dense diet and enough sleep and stress management because- those things really play a role. And I think that's another, you know, there's a lot of um, misconceptions out there that like, oh, the, you know, if you freeze your eggs, it's kind of a guarantee for later in life. That's unfortunately not always the case. It's also another misconception that if you do IVF, it's a guarantee for a baby. You know, there's still requires um, us to prepare our body so we can get the best outcomes possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you hear about people going through either egg freezing or IVF and having to do multiple rounds or many rounds. And I think we can feel like we're in a rush and we want to do it ASAP. And I've heard from clients that they have been sort of pressured and rushed by these people to do these procedures ASAP. However, you know, knowing that it doesn't always necessarily work well, you know, or work out the first time, taking that bit of time, you know, as you said, even if it's just three months really is, is worthwhile to, to do that, to prepare yourself and to, you know, set yourself up for better outcomes. If you're going through that process or, you know, whether you're doing that or trying to conceive naturally. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I even think the conversation extends to women using donor eggs because you still have to think about your vessel, right? If you're, even if you're borrowing donor, I always look at it as let's just, you're borrowing a couple cells from somebody else to kind of give you a jump start um, in making this baby. And it's, it's a beautiful way to, to become a mother, but it's the same thing. It's just, just because you're borrowing these cells, you still have to put it into a hospitable environment and your genetics are still going to impact that baby as it grows in your body. So it's, you know, I think somehow along the way, it's gotten very simplified in the sense of like, oh, it's just about the eggs. It's just about my hormone levels, right? It's just about my FSH or my AMH and how many eggs I have left. And it's really not about that. Like, you know, my whole approach approach is fertility is an extension of health. So I'm looking at your overall health picture to give me an assessment of, of what is the state of inflammation in your body? How, how well are you absorbing your nutrition? Like how well is your body functioning? Because if it's not functioning well, you know, the body has a choice every single day to either just survive, which fertility is not a priority if we're just surviving or thrive. And that's where fertility is a priority. It's, it's, you know, um, 
not everybody loves to hear this, but fertility really is a luxury. It's your body saying, I have an abundance. I have an overflow of all this stuff, like all this goodness in my body. And now I have enough that I can make another human. And like I said, the younger you are, the more you can kind of get away with um, cutting the corner some, but you know, most women are, are dealing with fertility challenges in their thirties and early forties. And so it's where we really have to kind of tighten and, and, and think about, you know, this preparation just in a similar fashion that we prepare for other big things in our life, like weddings or buying a house or things of that nature. It's, it's very important to approach it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, people in this phase are often so, so focused, understandably, on actually getting pregnant, but also doing all of this prep work is going to put you in a much better better position for when, you know, when that does happen as well to, you know, just be in a better position health-wise and not be so depleted in that postpartum phase as well. Yeah. Or even in pregnancy, you know, there's um, a fascinating book that I love and I always reference called Deep Nutrition. And she talks about that too in the book of baby will take what it needs from your body and you will suffer. And so if pregnancy can take a major toll on a woman's body, if she's not prepared going into it and um, you know, it's just a fact it's because nature, again, it, it really comes back to nature. Nature is very smart it is survival of the fittest. It always will be. And so it's that, that, you know, that that's, that's kind of, that's how I approach everything I do with my clients. It's really coming back to, to nature and to honestly, to safety in the body. Does the body feel safe? Does it feel like it has enough to not just survive, but to thrive? And that's where fertility comes from. And, you know, that, that again, I think that's simple too, but in my brain, at least it is, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really understanding that it's, and I always say for me, it's not a positive pregnancy test. Like that's awesome. I'm so excited when my girls get that and it's amazing, but it's really, I I'm working on, you know, getting this woman into, you know, the the best health she can be in, you know, physically, nutritionally, emotionally, spiritually, so that she can bring this baby through and she can stay healthy throughout it and she can recover and she can give this baby you know, all the nourishment it needs and be the mother that it needs. Right. It's, it's such a holistic, you know, much larger picture macro perspective, which I don't, we don't really do when we talk about fertility, right. It's very micro. It's very much, Oh, my FSH is this, or, Oh, my AMH is this, or the doctor said, I don't have a lot of eggs left. I, you know, time is not on my side, right. It's very micro. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with, with all of that being said, for anyone who is going down any of these paths, what are the main factors? You know, you have definitely touched on them briefly, but what are the main factors to consider when it comes to supporting egg quality and, you know, fertility and setting them up for success on a whole? You know, um, environmental toxins, avoiding them uh, is, is really important. There's, you know, I think since over the last 30 or 40 years, I think we've introduced over 100,000 chemicals into our environment. And um, most all of them are disruptive to hormones, especially female hormones. And they, a lot of them are linked to, you know, hormonal imbalances that could possibly, you know, I don't want to say they're all linked to fertility challenges, but you can kind of, you can get there, you can extrapolate. So cleaning up, not just, you know, what you're exposed to on a daily basis. I always say frequency and consistency. So anything you're using, 
on your skin or, you know, exposed to on a regular basis, you really want to think about the chemical exposure there. You want to think about your diet. Um, you know, same thing. You really want to avoid chemical exposure. So pesticide-free and non-genetically modified foods, nutrient-dense foods. Um, most women I work with eat not enough protein and too many carbohydrates. And I still, carbohydrates are super important for fertility, but fat is the most important thing for fertility, like upwards of 40% fat in your diet and about 30 to 35% protein. And then the rest carbohydrates and mainly carbs from vegetables. You know, I always look for when I go through food diaries is I look for about 80 to 90 grams of protein a day and six to eight servings of vegetable. And it's not easy to do, but once you get in the rhythm of it, it becomes pretty easy, but that's the best way, you know, cause you can't out supplement a crappy diet. You just can't. So if you're not eating well, you're not absorbing your nutrition from your food and there's chances there's inflammation and in, in your nutrient absorption is compromised. And then you're going to throw a bunch of supplements on top of it. You're probably going to absorb, you know, max 25% of those supplements. So your, your food is your primary medicine supplements are, you know, kind of the cherry on top They're they're ancillary, they add, they're additive, they are not the mainstay. And then I think a lot about mindset, stress levels. Um, if the body again is in survival mode, it will not prioritize pregnancy. And so that survival mode is kind of that chronic fight or flight state, um, a lot of anxiety, you know, stress, and most people also don't realize how important sleep is. It's critical to cellular recovery and repair. And, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep every single night is, is what's important for fertility. Um, yeah, and I think a good support system too, you know, not feeling alone in the journey, um, having people that understand and you can relate to, or at least just feeling heard and seen and, and supported, having the right care, like the right team of doctors or, you know, advocates that are on your team, but all of that coming together to me, that's how I approach it. And when I do it that way, and we kind of hit, you know, and, and again, we're human, so I'm not looking for perfection in any of those categories. It's really, you know, an 80, 20 rule or a 90, 10 rule, but, um, you know, I don't think perfection equals pregnancy, but it's, it's really just living a healthier, um, more balanced life than you're not. And in kind of hitting, you know, the, the marks in all of the areas where it's, how am I nourishing myself emotionally, physically, nutritionally, spiritually? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So do you have any final pieces of advice or wisdom for anyone listening? This has been such an incredible conversation and I think it's going to be so, so awesome. But yeah, any final pieces of advice or wisdom for anyone listening? Yeah, you know, I think I think I kind of just touched upon it too. I think don't underestimate the power of support, the power of community. Um you know, sharing the shared experiences, I really think help us understand ourselves and understand others and also learn. And so I'm a huge fan of sharing where you're at in, in a safe environment, of course, you know, with people that you feel like you can trust and, and be understood by. 
because it, it helps lift the shame of like, no matter where you are, whether it's, you know, you're feeling bad about the fact that you're going to go freeze eggs because you haven't yet met a partner or you're feeling bad that you haven't yet conceived or you need fertility treatments or you've had multiple losses. It's community, I think is, is such a tremendous piece of this. And then the other thing to really drive home is perfection. Perfection does not equal pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I love it. It's perfect. Oh, my God. oh so good. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, he's, we he's feisty and fast because I ate too much fat in preparation for him. So oh, he's no. very smart. He got away from my husband and made it upstairs. <laughs> so yeah, we got it, a little um, adventure. I had him. I had him right before I turned 41. Guys, naturally conceived. Um, yeah. You can do it. I think that's it too, is just believing in your body and also believing in the resiliency of your body that like you can change course. You could have had a really unhealthy, you know, early twenties and thirties, and you can really turn it around and still improve your health and your right quality. So to not give up hope. I love that. That's yeah. So, so important. So Amy, where can people find you and follow along with you online? Um, you know, I'm really active on Instagram uh, and my handle is my name, Amy Rupp, and then everything else on my website, amyrupp.com. You can find all my books there. Uh, I've written two popular books in the space of fertility. So those are on Amazon and yeah, I, my website is probably the best place, amyrupp.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation and I've learned a lot and I'm sure everyone else has. Mm, thank and, you, Fran. Um, yeah. Sorry about the, <laughs> uh, the It was just, just perfect. Thanks, I think it was meant to be. Good timing as well. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you. you so much, Amy. Bye. Thanks, Bye. everyone. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to chat with me about how we can work together to reach your health goals, head to frandargaville.com. To connect with me day to day, Instagram is the place to be. Follow me via my handle at frandargaville. And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment.